Hi, my name is John. And my name's Chris. And, and this, this is Stay on, on Target. Hey, everybody, welcome to Stay on Target. We are your hosts. You can find us online at stayontargetpodcast.com. That's right. This week, we are talking about what are we talking about? The best games on Game Pass, according oh, yeah. to Kotaku. Yeah. Yeah, there's an article that they've uh, released, like, the uh, the best 25 games on Game Pass. So we're going to go down, run down that list, give you our opinions on some of them. Uh, and if they don't uh, list a couple of the ones that I've played and think are great, I'm going to, you know, throw those in at the end. Just yeah. Toss them in. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty slow news week, so um, <laughs> I just have to call that out. That's why we are talking about this the sheer like the like i am very impressed that i was able to go back in like down like the news feed of like a couple of sites back to where we were last week incredibly fast i was just like man just there's no volume like there's like no, <laughs> no news yeah i know it's kind of crazy no entertainment um, news but first we have some picks that's right but before that we we're going to talk about what we've been up to, but before that, John, whoa, uh, I need to tell you know the listeners that uh, it's storming here true, while we're true. recording this, and so uh, we, if you hear thunders, thunderous noises, it's the storming. So we apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you hear like the wind like blowing and <laughs> you know, and then if you know if anything happens, like the power goes completely out and the podcast just goes feed just goes down, you know. They won't know about it because I'm sure we'll just edit it together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, you probably heard that. That's happening right now. Uh, so, John, what have you been up to this week? Oh, man. So I've been up to a couple things. Um, I watched and, in fact, finished the whole first season of uh, Our Flag Means Death on uh, HBO Max. Um, nice. which is, is it good? Yeah, it's really good, dude. Uh, it's, it's really funny. I, I found myself like laughing ridiculously hard uh, watching this thing by myself or whatever. And, uh, and that doesn't happen all, a lot, a lot, like all the time, you know, you know, like you watch, sometimes you like watch shows whenever you're by yourself and it's like, ah, you, just, you know, it's, it's really funny. And you're like, oh, this is really funny. But like there were times where I, I would have to rewind because like I missed something because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> And uh, so it's really funny. Um, and this is the uh, this is the Taika Waititi, uh, Reese Darby starred um, show about pirates. Uh, about it's it's like basically a spin of a real life pirate, um, the gentleman pirate, and uh, teaming up with Blackbeard. So um, and so this is something that like actually happened in history. And you know this is like uh, a loose telling of like oh a dramatization of that story i should say like so it's you know it's it's uh it takes some things from from the real history of the story and then you know takes liberties uh here and there too so uh it's and it's really good so anybody who is interested in in that type of comedy um should definitely watch it it's 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 really funny the one thing i will say is that it um i hope that it gets a season two and it hasn't been announced yet <laughs> Um, so, you know, people can interpret that how, however they, they would like, um, as far as like the, the whole first season goes, like I immediately like Googled was like, 
when when when's the next uh, next season like when when are we when are we picking this back up and uh hasn't been announced yet but it apparently did really well as far as like uh streaming like what you can tell from streaming metrics it apparently did really well on uh, mm. on hbo max so you know hopes are hopes are high but also like taika watiti's really busy <laughs> He's got like a Star Wars movie is still in production. We've got like the wrap up of Thor. We've got a lot of other TV series that he's 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 working on. So um, that might be kind of like the the pulling the cast all back together to to shoot more um, could be something of a uh, of a of a you know of a hang up. So, but it all is right. it is fantastic. So here's, my, here's my question, John. Yeah. So uh, we've established that it's funny. Oh yeah. Is it a good pirate show? I think so. Um, it depends on what you mean by a good pirate show. Um, I mean, does it does it take itself seriously enough to actually like be a legit pirate show? Yes, yes, but like it's it, not just like a spoof the entire time. I guess yeah, is it's what not, I'm saying. Yeah, oh yeah, it's not a spoof the entire time. It's definitely it definitely has piratey things. Like by the by the third episode. Um, I was, yeah, you definitely are, have crossed the line between like the spoof and the piratey things. And like, that's kind of okay. like the way that like, cause the whole setup is that this, this basically really rich person, um, decides that they just want to be a pirate. And so they leave their entire life behind, go, you know, commissioned a boat or whatever. And they go out on the, on the seas to become a pirate. And it's all about like, okay, what would that experience be like for for that person and so like by the time like you roll around into see episode three and then definitely episode like four and stuff like that like you're you're pirating um but it's uh but it's got this this twist on it of of like hey what you know expectations and and reality and then like yeah so it's uh it's, it's real good man all right, um, all right. But it's definitely I'll check it out it looks it looks great what have you been up to this week chris Oh man, so um actually not a ton. Um I had uh I think I guess the biggest thing I went to uh a Cardinal baseball game over the weekend, yeah. which was great. Um they it was won. exciting. They won, it was exciting, uh they're doing great. Um I I talked about, you know, how Pujols is back on the Cardinals, um, and I'm excited about that. But um honestly, other than that, I've just been doing a lot of like uh house house stuff which is uh weird sometimes i uh swapped i'm somewhat of an amateur electrician right now i swapped out a uh a light fixture above my uh dining room table and um yeah that's just uh that's kind of been the thing that's awesome that's awesome so as far as like the uh the you know diy electrician stuff goes uh just just youtube like is is yeah. there have you yeah. like struck on to like oh this is like oh. the youtube to to go I mean I've look, yeah 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 I've, I no I mean I look up that's the thing I mean I look up somewhat what I need but for the most part you just follow the instructions and it's uh it's fairly simple and easy to understand for most of the stuff Yeah and then, just make sure the power I mean, is off like I, the, at yeah, the yeah 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 box. definitely make sure the power is off I mean and I and I like I back this was probably you know 3 years ago at this point I did do some like minor electrician kind of things and uh, watched some videos back then about, you know, ground wires and hot and cold and all the things you have to do to, you know, make sure that things are done correctly and stuff like that. But other than that, you know, like I feel like everything is pretty straightforward. I say that like 
still all at the same time knowing that I am ex- of all the things that you could do in a house, electricity is the thing that scares me the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because like you, there's many options, like many options for pain being caused. You know. Yeah. Because it or, can be you know it, fryers or you know. Yeah, it can be the initial like shock of it. You know just literally yeah or it could be you know everything could <laughs> everything could end up on uh on fire at some point you know whenever you turn the power back on or at a later date so you got to do it right man that's how totally. it goes that's how it goes um but yeah that's uh that's pretty much what i've been up to okay well then i think we have a pick of the week pick of the week <laughs> All right, John, what is your pick of the week? My pick of the week this week. And I feel like I've been like ringing this bell for like the last two months since the announcement oh, was made. But the 3DS eShop has a sale right now, Chris. Um, and I, I wanted to like throw this out there. It's got a sale going on for this week. I think it goes through the weekend and everything. So if you're catching this at a good time, I wanted to uh, to run down some games that I like from this sale and uh, and and chat a little bit about this sale. So this sale is on the 3DS eShop, and it is a Sega slash Atlas publisher sale. And uh, and you know, I had some things on my list where I was like, okay, if this goes on sale at some point before the eShop goes down, I'm definitely gonna gonna pick it up and uh, and go go for that. And so uh, so I did this this week. I made sure that I, I I got all of the things from this sale, the things that were on sale that I uh, that I've been wanting, um, including there is uh, Sonic the Hedgehog two in 3d uh that one i've been playing through it's a blast dude i love sonic the hedgehog 2 it's like this is the uh, genesis version so not the not the uh the game gear version the game gear version that we had is notoriously one of the hardest uh sonic games of all time really what's different about it so they're just completely different games so like um because the the game gear was 8-bit and so this is the 16-bit version so basically what they did was whenever they would have like a sonic game coming out oh sonic 2 is coming out they simultaneously developed a 8-bit version of that game um for the uh uh sega master system and the game gear and so and they so those were basically like a simultaneous port but it wasn't really a port other than the fact that like some of the same similar-ish levels uh, are there, but it's really not even the same because the first level of the Game Gear version is like a lava level where you're like riding a minecart around, and the first level in Sonic the Hedgehog 2 for the Genesis is Green Hill Zone. (laughs) So... Um, they're just completely different. So one of them's green, one of them's got lava everywhere. So th- basically, this is like a completely different version from the Game Gear version that uh, that we played growing up. Um, but it is a fantastic game, dude. It's a it's it's a blast. I uh, I love it. The 3D in it on the 3ds is magnificent as well like pixel games look so good with that stereoscopic like 3d uh stuff going on that they had on the 3ds and uh so if you have a 3ds um some of those sega 3d classics are good ones to pick up i have played there's like a collection of them. I think I talked about the collection of them a while back. So it was like the Sega 3D Classics Volume 1 where they collected a bunch of them into one package. That thing's on sale for like, you know, 
sixty percent off or something like that. So it's it's like seven bucks or eight bucks or something like that for a bunch of these games. Um, and then there's a uh, like three D Shinobi three and three D Echo the Dolphin. I picked those up um, for for very inexpensive prices. There, I think they're like two or three bucks a piece. Um, and then they have a lot of things that are like on sale for like half off. So you have like Sonic Boom had some 3DS exclusive games. Um, one of them was Shattered Crystal and one of them was uh, Fire and Ice. Shattered Crystal is apparently terrible, so I did not pick that one up, but I picked up Sonic Boom Fire and Ice, and it is a fantastic game. I've played a, a decent chunk of that too because that one is really fun because it's in 3D, but it's a side-scroller, and you can swap characters at any time. So you can run around as Sonic, go really fast, and dash through these different rocks and, and uh, get to the, the end of the level super fast. But at any moment, you can be like, hey, I want to be Knuckles. And like you can swap to Knuckles or swap to Amy or swap to Tail, and they each have different abilities that allow them to explore different areas of the level and uh, access different collectibles and things like that. And it's a uh, it's pretty pretty fun. So like I think it really gets a good balance of that like super speed of a Sonic game, but also like some some cool exploration of some other kind of platformers um, out there. Um, so it's a cool, cool balance there. So Sonic Boom, Fire and Ice is what that one is called. Nice. Um, and then the last two that I'll shout out are uh, uh, Rhythm Thief and the Emperor's Treasure. That one's a really fun rhythm game. Um, it's a story about like uh, you know a thief that is stealing things while dancing, and you basically do uh, swipes and circles and things like that on the on the uh, stylus pad to perform you know well in stealing things. So you know. It's 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 a blast. Uh, <laughs> I played that one and I was like, "This is really fun." Um, and then there's a Radiant Historia Perfect Chronology. It's like an RPG. So um, if you're into RPGs, there's a demo of that one as well as the Rhythm Thief game. Try those out uh, before they disappear from the eShop. And uh, yeah, so but both of those games are, I think, seventy five percent off. I think they're originally like forty, and they are ten now. Um, wow. So yeah, so it's a you know it's a really good sale. So if you are interested in anything on the 3DS, still go and check that out and uh, see what you see. What is you that store like closing? I can't remember. Is it going away? Uh, so that store is going away in March. Um, Dang, and, dude! Wait, it's all right. We're already past March. No, no, March of next year. So you've got uh, some time. Okay. But this is the one where in May you won't be able to use your credit card anymore. Um, mm. on it and you'll have to like add gift cards and in August you can't add any more gift cards on the 3DS so you'd have to add it on your mobile device or your Switch and then use them on your 3DS. And do we have to buy it from the 3DS or can you do it from the web? I can't remember So that you can do it from the web um, and you can like tell your device to download it whether or not that works or not like whether or not your device recognizes that your mobile device told it to download it. That's another thing. Like the Switch that works flawlessly. Like I'll buy something on my phone and say yeah download this to my console and I'll pick, next time I pick up my Switch it's right there. Um, yeah. The 3DS it's like maybe like a 50 50 like you flip a coin like i've i've i bought something from the sale and then i went to my 3ds and it was like nowhere to be found no like track wow. trace of even whether or not i bought it and i went to the store and i'd bought it but i just it just wasn't on the system yet and i was like mm, ah, i think i'm just gonna you know initiate the download or 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 whatever you know myself just assume that i've purchased it it's on my account but oh, yeah you yeah. know download it at a, at a you know not not try to send it there <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, so that's that's what's happening with the with the 3DS shop. I'm I am very interested. Like the remaining things that I have on my list of like, okay, I really would like to buy this are all Nintendo first party published things, pretty much. Um, after this sale, and so I don't know, man. I, I those are probably likely not going to go on sale. So I've got to got to figure out what I'm going to do about some of that. If I can get them used physically somewhere from GameStop or something, or if it's a situation where I'll just have to bite the bullet and you know pay forty bucks a pop for for some of these games. Yeah. But that's my pick of the week this week, Chris. What is your pick of the week? Uh, man. All right. So my pick of the week, and I can't remember if I've talked about this yet. So like, if I have, tell me, but have I talked about the always sunny in Philadelphia podcast yet? No. Yeah. So great. It's amazing. It's honestly my favorite podcast right now. Um, so it started off as three of the, three of the guys, Charlie Day, Glenn Howerton and Rob McElhenney watching through all of the episodes of Always Sunny. Nice. Uh, starting at the beginning and talking about each one. So it was really cool, like even especially early on, you know, hearing them talk about um, how the show got created and the, the process that it took to get it greenlit and going through the first season and um, without uh, basically a star like Danny DeVito and then getting Danny DeVito in the early days, you know, working and being like not realizing that they could, you know, ask the, uh, the network for offices to write in and uh, just how janky everything was. Um, <laughs> and it's really awesome. It's it's like that kind of stuff is great. It's like a great insight into um, just the creative process and the production process. And then like they talk a lot about um, writing those episodes and like how you come up with something funny and beat up on it and like what that, that whole process is like. Um, but then as it's gone on, like they have started to, you know, in addition to talking about episodes, but kind of branch out and, uh, um, uh, there's one, one episode of the podcast one week where, uh, they decided to take calls from the, uh, from their, their fans. So they all tweeted out, um, Hey, call us, call us on our podcast and we'll talk to you. And they ended up getting like 5,000 people respond and call in and um and so then they were taking calls and there's another one where you know they decided oh man uh well all these people keep telling us you know like keep asking on the podcast like are you guys you know you you guys have to be like are you drinking on this podcast you know it sounds you know having so much fun like no it's like 8 30 in the morning they decide let's just let's do a podcast we're just drinking the entire time and uh so like you know they they kind of like become their more more care more like their characters, and uh, they've got another one where they uh, um, uh, spend the entire podcast talking about an experience that Rob had in line at a in In and Out, and it it feels very much like just, I don't know, it's just real good. Like it, it's it's uh it, if you like it's always sunny, if you like um, Charlie Day or Glenn Howerton or Rob McElhenney. Like any of those guys, you're gonna find this this podcast funny, entertaining, and like tons of insight into like their the way that they work, and it's it's really good, John. I I recommend it. That's super awesome. I mean, like, and that's you know, just I love things that morph into 
that type of thing where it's like, okay, we started this as like a, you know, with, with this X purpose, but that's changed into essentially like some, you know, something deeper, um, after, after a certain point, whether that's like, oh yeah, you know, this is deeper in, you know, the topic that we originally talked about, or it's like just gone completely off the rails, you know, and you're like, oh, this yeah. is, you know, <laughs> we're just essentially hanging out, you know, uh, on mic for however long every week or whatever. So, yeah, um, and, I, I and love dude, that type of thing. Yeah. And, and that, none of it ever feels, I mean, I do a good job of like, you know, if one, if, keeping things moving and making sure that it doesn't feel stale and boring. And then they also do a good job of like, you know, talking about the, the episodes and, and giving you some insight into it. So. That's really cool, dude. I love it. I love it. Well, my pick of the week this week is the Atlas and Sega 3DS eShop sale. And my pick of the week is the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia podcast. All right, John. Um, So our main segment, we're going to go through this article from Kotaku. This was written by Kotaku staff. So... All of them, Chris. Uh, I'm, sure they were all I'm, sure, I'm sure they were like, hey, which ones do you think? And then they you yeah. know, picked them all So I'm going to I'm gonna read this first thing, and then we can go through these, uh, these games. Uh, Xbox Game Pass is one of the best deals in gaming today. For $10 a month, you get access to a Netflix-style library of video games that you can download and play whenever you want. But as good a deal as Game Pass is, it can also be seriously overwhelming. On console, you'll find hundreds of titles at your fingertips, seeing as games are bigger now than ever. You can reasonably only have a handful of Game Pass titles on your console at any given time. So where should you start? Herein, you'll find a rundown of the best games currently on Xbox Game Pass. Some ground rules. Don't expect to see any Microsoft tent poles here. Your Forza's, your Halos, and so on. Seeing as if you have an Xbox, you're probably well aware those games exist and are worth playing. Well, we're further keeping this list console only for now. Members of Xbox Game Pass for PC get access to a similar list. That includes those games, but some that aren't available on console. Of course, games are also periodically added to Game Pass and periodically leave. We'll continue to update this list as availability shifts. So that's um, what's going on. Let's just start talking. Let's work through this list, John. And uh, and we'll talk about them as uh, as they happen. Tunic. Tunic is the first game. It's real good, Chris. That's a that that one is really nice. I think I talked about it last week. I thought about it like the last few weeks where like you pick up pages of like an NES style manual um, mm. and you can only read certain words on it. Like there's some, like it's written in a different language, but then there's other words that are in, in uh, whatever language it's localized to. So like for me, it's like English. So it's like, it'll say things like shield in the middle of like this page of text. And you're like, okay, well, what does that mean? And you look at the context and you figure out exactly what they mean by like, oh, you use this to replenish your shields or like you, you know, you can meditate and things like that. And you don't know this until you pick up the sheet, but everything is available to you um from the get-go so like there are things like where it's like literally it's like i am progressing through this game and occasionally a reveal will happen and it's like i could have accessed this all along if i had had this knowledge but i didn't have this knowledge before and so like it's it, like it's constantly makes me feel like a genius um for figuring stuff out and uh and walks that line incredibly well with an nes style manual that you pick up pages of so very cool. yeah it- uh, their comments are initially presents itself as a standard dungeon crawler, but that's simply a mask for what's underneath one of the most reality bending, reality questioning puzzle games of the modern era, which sounds pretty awesome to me. 
there is apparently at the end of the game, like uh, whenever you have, have all of the sheets of the thing, there's apparently a puzzle that, that players still have not figured out oh, um, that they know exists based on, uh, you know, some of the some of the things that are in there. Because the, the manual that you're picking up and you're filling out, it not only is the manual, but there are certain like handwritten notes on it, like where like yeah. certain areas like of a map will be like circled or X or whatever. And you can kind of denote, oh, there's something there. I need to I need to find something in, in that spot or like whatever. And so like literally things that you would never know are there. Once you look at the manual, you're like, oh, yeah, I got this. This is this is cool, awesome secret. And so you're constantly like backing back, going back and forth between like that manual and the real world. And like it's it's really cool. Everybody who uh, anybody who hasn't played it needs to give it a shot. It's uh, it's really fun. That's awesome. Yeah, it says it's about 15 hours. So it's not a not a huge uh, investment. I mean, I feel like you could probably kill that in a week or a weekend or something like that. Yeah, definitely. Like I think I've 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 played probably a handful of sessions or whatever and I'm I'm kind of uh at the back 25%. Like I'm I'm about 75% through the main portion of it. Um not not trying to 100% my way yet. So. Nice. All right, so the next game is Shredders. Uh their comment what skate did for skateboarding, Shredders does for snowboarding. Bucking the patent ridiculousness of traditional winter action sports games like Riders, Republic, or SSX, Shredders is a bit more grounded, uh, which is super appealing to me. It's a dual thumbstick control scheme, which is easy, easy to pick up but hard to master. Le- uh, lets you control your board with pitch-perfect precision. Rather than the so-called future spins, you're more likely to pull off smooth rotations and calculated flips. Smaller tricks that focus more on looking stylish than making the numbers go up. Shredder sets out to accomplish one goal, nail the chill vibes of a bluebird day on the slopes and stomps it. Sounds, sounds awesome. pretty awesome. I actually yeah. have this installed on my console right this very second and have not nice. not played through it yet. Um, but yeah, I, uh, it sounds, sounds super awesome. That's awesome. Uh, the next one is Death's Door. Have you played this? I feel like you yes. mentioned this maybe. Yes, this was a game that, that came out last summer. I bought it before it went to Game Pass, and uh, it is so good, dude. So this is a little bit less mind-bendy, a little less puzzly than uh, something like Tunic, but it has a lot of the same similar vibes where it's like, okay, this is like a, a Zelda, isometric Zelda-like with a really cool art style. It's kind of monochromatic except for accent colors, so like you'll see red um, in a lot of places, and it's like, oh, it just draws your eye, kind of, kind of limbo esque in that way where it's pretty pretty uh cpu tone or monochromatic and uh except for some certain certain spots in it um very fun dude you, you are a crow that is uh the reaper of souls and so <laughs> you're the grim reaper crow <laughs> and uh there are certain souls out there in the world that have uh escaped being reaped for so long and uh as you start to go like after them in order to open a door um, you uh, start uncovering some truths about the world that you are in and about your bureaucratic job. So it's very cool, very cool. Um, yeah, it's uh, everybody should play that one too. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah, they 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 mentioned that combat is tough, but fine tuned to the degree that you know every failure is your fault. Boss fights are relentless, demanding you memorize patterns, dust yourself off, and try again. Um. It's an isometric game about the afterlife. Uh, has great writing, poignant humor. It's about uh, eleven point five hours as well, which is kind of short, actually. And I forgot to mention the uh, um, Shredders was a five 
6.5 hour oh, uh, playtime. Yeah, so like I mean, I, I and I kind of like these. These are like, you know pretty bite sized kind of games. I kind of like that stuff. That's really cool. Uh, the, the next game is uh, called Lost in Random. They uh, they mentioned it's one of the surprise under the radar games of 2021. Uh, Mary's genres with astonishing ease. Real time action is broken up by moments of turn based combat, which features ele- features elements of deck building games. Which I like. I like deck building games. Super interesting. Yeah, um, it's about sixteen hours, so uh, a little longer it. than the others. Yeah, that's the first um, one that I I don't think I've ever heard of even. <laughs> so that's awesome. I'm uh, I'm learning things here too. I know. I'm wanting to. I want to you know, pick this up and try to play it. Um, the next game is nobody saves the world. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you like constant progression, you'll, you'll love nobody saves the world, the top down RPG. Cassio is a wizard with some impressive shape shifting abilities. Uh, at first you only have access to two, two basic forms, uh, a ranger, a soldier before unlocking more interesting ones, like a mermaid, a zombie, a ghost, even a freaking dragon. Yeah, dude. This is this is one that Cody uh, and I have talked about on this podcast. Except, like, literally, I think it was like my pick of the week one time, and then the next time he was on, it was his pick of the week. So, like, <laughs> this is nice. this is one that we talked about a lot. Um, but it is uh, it is very fun, and that constant progression is a hundred percent right. Like, that's what has me, like, got me hooked on the game. Where it's like I just loved the idea of like constantly unlocking new forms, new abilities for those forms, ways to combine those abilities for those forms, and uh, and it's it's uh, it's all kind of how inside of this um kind of achievement based uh system where like you think about like oh uh take out x number of enemies from behind and so like you're you're kind of like these these challenges they they line up there you have like five or six of them at a time and you kind of build your loadout to achieve those to unlock like the next thing the next level which uh which always feels really good to do so you're constantly shifting play style which which also keeps me engaged i mean it looks super cool too it's like uh it's like hand drawn kind of like in the same style of uh like guacamole and stuff like that looks like kind of same developer as guacamole oh interesting that's awesome um who is that? Who who makes that? Is that Drinkbox? Drinkbox? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Uh, the average play time is eighteen point five hours, and um, I mean, I would think that would be the bare now. minimum. I'm pretty sure Cody put a lot more really? time into that. Like he unlocked every form and like leveled them all the way up and everything. So that's funny. He said there were still things for him to do once he got to the end of that, but he was like, because there was no new forms to unlock and no new levels in those forms to unlock, he was like, I was pretty much done. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. The next one is far changing tides. They say it's a lonely game. The side scrolling puzzle platformer opens cold with your character silent and nameless underwater. The planet appears to have been swamped by an apocalyptic flood of indeterminate origin. You surface, you make your way across the rooftops of submerged mid rises. Then you find a steampunk sailboat and piloting it along the shore mostly comprises the bulk of the game. Have you played this? Yes, I played. The, I played through the first bit of this, mm, and it, I was captivated it immediately. Um, it's really good. Why did you like, not finish it? So I, I just haven't had time to go back to it. Um, and it's also like it is very solitary in that like. So as you're like swimming by or like piloting your ship, like there will be like they take the time to 
um, do like a cinematic like pan out from your kind of side scrolling like giant steampunky ship that you're you're sailing right yeah in and like the backdrop is gorgeous and the music swells and like it, and the, the like they're not afraid to do this for like minutes like a minute you know where it's like it's just it's like oh my goodness this is like a ridiculously cinematic moment um where like as i was watching i was like i was getting emotional i'm like oh my gosh this is like you know i'm piloting this thing and you're just trying to make it and survive across the world some of the really cool things about it like the ship runs um and breaks down like so like you'll Mm. you'll hit like something um unavoidable or whatever and then like you have to figure out a way to get your ship running again um whether that you you have to go like dive down find some tools or get some like stuff to burn and things like that and you'll occasionally like just find like random kind of world building objects like there was i stumbled into like really early on so this isn't really a spoiler but i just before i found the ship i stumbled into a like I don't know exactly what it was. It was like either cathedral or some, some sort of a museum. There's like this gorgeous, massive painting. And it's like, clearly somebody had been living here for a little while, but then never came back. And it had collected a lot of like really cool items here. And there was just like a plant on the ground. And I'm like, well, I was like, I don't, let me just take this plant with me. Maybe I need it. Right. Cause like you, you see something on the ground in a video game that you can pick up and you're like, I will pick this up. But like, there was really no, like nothing to do with it. Like it's not like it was a solving piece of a puzzle, but like, I just kind of collected it. I just like put it down, you know, on my ship and I was like, all right, this is my plant buddy. And I'm going to carry this plant buddy with me as long as I possibly can uh, here in this post-apocalyptic world, because who knows whenever there's a little, you know, wherever this plant will ever be seen again. So you know, just kind of like, that's the vibe of it. It's, it's very, very uh solitary and both like hopeful and also kind of like sad at the same time so Hmm. um it's really unique interesting it's about 5.5 hours oh nice so that's pretty pretty digestible too that's like i I probably would could finish it in my next sitting then nice the next game they have on this list is norco um it's a southern gothic point and click adventure um, it says, wait, wait, this says might be PC only, but its presence on the non-console Game Pass is significant enough to break all our rules. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> well, since I don't have a PC, I'm not, I can't play it. But uh, it says it's a uh, real, um, following your mother's death, you return to your hometown of Norco, trying to find your missing brother amidst a magical realist rendition of 21st century South Louisiana. Norco is a real town on the outskirts of New Orleans built around the oil refineries on the banks of the Mississippi. In the game, the industrial swamp is given a bleak sci-fi coat of paint, a world where robots exist but are barely used, where everything is run down, where the possibilities of technology are abandoned, ruined. Extraordinarily good writing. Writing elevates Norco above the crowd while a spectacular pixel art evocatively renders the ambiguous view of hope in its overarching tale. Interesting. Yeah. I wish I could play it. Yeah, I was about to say, like, please bring the console. <laughs> All right, the next game that they have is Hades. I think you've played this too. Yeah, so good, dude. One of my favorite games of all time, probably. Wow. Top 15 for sure. Maybe cracking the top 10, Chris. Wow. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's a game about Greek gods. Um, it's an iso- another isometric roguelike developed by super giant games uh your goal is to escape the land of the dead fighting your way through the various regions of the greek afterlife along the way uh along the way you earn new powers weapons and tactics 
quickly get to a point where you're slicing through the shades of hell like butter. Like butter. Point five hours, John. Dude, Did you so, finish it? So yes, I have finished it. Um, Man, it's a long game. The thing is, you can you, like you can kind of choose what your like what your end point is. Like there is like there is a beating the game, and then there's like a it like it opens up and you can like level up a bunch of different weapons and be able to beat the game again and again and again and again and progress the storyline. So like interesting from a gameplay perspective, it's like, okay, if you like get to the end, beat the final boss, like that's, that's like amazing. Right? Like that's like, that's like in my mind, like I would say, Hey, you finished the game if you did that, but then they're seeing all of the rest of the story, in which case you have to beat the game a few more times. Um, with like different uh, modifiers and things like that on and level up like your relationships with the various uh, gods and characters and things like that within the game. So there is like, there's tears to it where you're like, okay, well I beat the game, but I didn't necessarily see all of the story, but like most of most, a lot of it's resolved or like, there's like multiple points like where you can kind of off ramp where you're like, okay, I've, I'm satisfied. Like, um, which I think is kind of genius about it, where it's like, okay, if, if you don't want to continue on, you can just be satisfied with X ending or like whatever. And then, but if you want to progress and see like, th- like more, there's more there for you. Um, it also has multiple weapons. So you have like a, you have a, a, a bunch of different weapons and a bunch of different versions of those weapons. So like you can have a shield for instance, um, that you can throw like Captain America style and you can block with it. Um, and then there's a, a version of that shield where you do like additional damage uh, and throw more than one shield. Like it, it multiplies, like it turns into multiple shields um, if you take damage and then throw it within a certain period of time afterwards. So like there are these like really cool twists of gameplay that kind of try to make you play the game um, in brand new ways. Um, with all of the different weapons that they have. So th- it doesn't become stale, I guess is what I'm saying. The only thing that I would say is that becomes stale uh, by the end was like just the coats of paint on the world. So like you have the same kind of general levels, even if the layouts aren't exactly the same, it's still like, okay, well, I'm going through Asphodel or I'm going through like these different things. So those do, um, while they are varied for the first chunk of the game that you play the last little bit, they, uh, they do become a little bit, a little bit, you know, boring. And it's like, I wish that the, the aesthetic was a slightly different. Nice. Um, the next game is called the pedestrian. It's a puzzle platformer. Um, you play as one of those little human icons on road signs. You're Oh, I've been playing through this actually. What? I've been playing this. Yeah. (laughs) What? Uh, your, your goal is to make it from one sign to the next, connecting doors, ladders, and other forms of passage to create viable pathways. It may sound sensible, simple, but the pedestrian quickly becomes a deceptively complex puzzle game, one that offers minimal instructions that trusts you fully, that makes you feel like a genius every time you crack a maddening pro- problem. The whole thing is underpinned by a soundtrack straight out of mid-century cinema. Ramping up the charm is an already ridic- in an already ridiculous game. Uh, yeah, like, it's uh, it's really cool. Like, it's like this puzzle platformer it's all 2d you're the stick figure uh there are all these like different rules and you st- it really quickly ramps into you've got uh all these like switches and mechanics to to learn and um ways that you can connect these signs um 
it's it's really interesting. It's it's worth a it's worth a play for sure. Like I mean, I'm kind of slowly going. I get bored with it pretty quick. You know, like I, I'm, it's not something I'm going to binge all the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the runtime is about four hours total. I'm probably twenty five percent of the way through it. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, like uh, I I I've enjoyed it so far. Um, yeah, I dig it, dude. I dig it. I'll have to give it a shot. Um, the next game on their list. Outer Wilds. Yes. Want to talk about this? Oh my gosh, Chris, this is the best. This is like this is definitely in my top five games of all time. <laughs> um, it is a video game with a, a a story that can only be told in a video game. Um, it's like it it is uh uniquely video game narrative um in that like it could not be translated a different way there's multiple kind of paths that you're following um basically you are an explorer in a universe um of multiple planets and you get caught in a time loop a 22 minute Mm. time loop um for various reasons and your whole purpose is like basically at, at the end of the 22 minutes the sun explodes and ends the universe mm. and you wake up 22 minutes before that, <laughs> that happens. And so you're kind of investigating, okay, well, why is this happening? What's going on here? The, the coolest thing about it is that your ship's computer th- through a very, like, uh, through an explained thing in, in the lore, like, so in the story of the game, they kind of explain why, but, um, the, your ship's computer also goes back in time with you. Um, so you basically, if you, if you read something, you have a little translator and you go out and you translate this ancient alien civilization that died out, you know, long before, uh, you, your civilization rose up on this planet and started taking to the stars. But like you're investigating that civilization and you translate things and your ship's log logs, those things and kind of connects them in a big conspiracy theory esque board with lines and colored, uh, boxes and gives you things to explore next. Like, so say you've uh, explored a lot of things on a, on one of the plants called brittle hollow. It, it will lead you to other places that you can investigate. I think, you know, and this, it's, and this is first person, right? Yeah. It's in first person. And yeah. so you, you know, you pilot your ship and it, honestly, like the ship controls are one of the things that I think turns people off uh, the most in that, like it's hard to land, but hmm. the way that the time loop works, it's like if you just go and like jump out of your sh- ship at a location, let your ship crash, spend your 22 minutes on that one location, and then, uh, you know, and I, that is a legitimate way to do things. Because I, I did that numerous times where I would just basically be like, well, not going to see my ship again until the end of this 22 minutes. And I basically did, went through this game, you know, maybe two time loops a night until I finished. And man, it was one of the most amazing and rewarding experiences uh within a video game um that i've ever had it's really good dude it's great That's music great. is really good too it's it's kind of like uh synths and bluegrass <laughs> nice nice um all right the next game they have on here is scarlet nexus i haven't played this have you played this no i've I, it's, on my, it's on my nexus, list you can use psychokinetic powers to hurl a mid-sized sedan into an interdimensional mushroom zombie on the basis of its action alone Scarlet Nexus is worth checking out, but the RPG's secret sauce is a riveting, consistently astonishing story. Uh, two protagonists, students at a military academy that trains kids to fight, uh, headline a dual narrative story that crosses paths at crucial intervals. 
It's uh, 34.5 hours of runtime. Dude, that's a long one. Yeah. Um, the next one. Oh, I've played this. No, I haven't, actually. I haven't played this. Unpacking. Unpacking is a peerlessly moving story packaged in the guise of a puzzle game. You play as an unnamed protagonist moving the house at various points in her life. A dorm room, starter apartment, first live-in partner, and so on, each rendered in an isometric diorama. Your goal is simply to remove objects from boxes and put those objects where they typically go. But those items, taken in totality, tell you what's going on in her life, the new people, the new problems, that fly into and out of her sphere with every passing stage of life. That seems... It's only four hours. That seems very intriguing to me. Yeah, it seems pretty chill. I, I lo- love the idea of... Uh... I mean, obviously, like packing and unpacking is is a is a bummer whenever you have to do it in real life. But <laughs> yeah, I don't. You know, uh, it's kind of like one of those job simulators where I'm like, I don't yeah. know that I actually want to, you know, work a job. Do I in... really want to simulate what living on a farm is like? But it could be fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> um, this it does feel like it would be very satisfying. Like think about like, um, I feel like whenever in a video game, whenever you have like, oh, these little like tasks to complete and you like, oh, you check in the boxes, you know, it's like at the end you've like, if something visually has changed where it's like, okay, everything is arranged as it should be. Um, And so like, yeah, I feel like this could, could, could have that type of a, you know, a a draw as well. Uh, The next game on the list is boyfriend dungeon. Oh wait, uh, hang on. Oh yeah. I said four hours is the other one. Boyfriend dungeon is exactly what it says on the tin, a dating sim that pulls double duty as a dungeon crawler. You can date around half a dozen people, all of who can transform into weapons of various make a sword, a spear, brass knuckles, and that sort of thing. You then wield those weapons to plumb your way through dungeons where your fears manifest as demonic entities. The more you use a weapon, the greater your bond becomes with their non-weapon form. Boyfriend Dungeon sounds like the sort of game conceived on the back of a bar napkin, but it takes that and runs with it as far as possible. It's about eight hours. Interesting. <laughs> sounds kind of fun. Yeah, it sounds wild, dude. It's another <laughs> I like, I like the idea of like isometric. I like combining like isometric again. I like combining um, genres, and that's those are two yeah. genres where it's like, man, that seems super intriguing. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, the Rift Breaker. It's uh, The Rift Breaker sounds like a mess of ideas. It combines the top-down action RPG combat of Diablo with base building and sci-fi exploration. It even tosses in skill trees, crafting, and power management. On paper, this sounds like a hodgepodge of stuff, but The Rift Breaker is actually a very well-made and slick game that effortlessly combines all of these features. Um, Playtime, 36.5 hours. My goodness! It's crazy long. That's that's not like a deep write-up for something that's that long, no, <laughs> long no. to me. Uh, Octopath Traveler is the next. Do you ever play Octopath? Uh, I have played through some of it, okay. um, but not all of it. It was uh, a very very RPG RPG. Mm. Uh, it's both. Say it's both a throwback and a revelation. The turn-based role-playing game. Harks back to classics of the genre, but visually it's a modern masterpiece sporting the now-minted 2D HD style that's defined some modern Square Enix games like Bravely Default 2 and Triangle Strategy. That's the thing. Like, like I think... For me, like strategy RPGs are are very much my jam. Like, so if it had been like a strategy RPG rather than like a traditional like JRPG, I would have 
probably been more on board with it. Um, but it's also, I, I don't know if I've really given it that, that much of a chance. Um, so this, the story just didn't immediately grab me. Well, and here's where they're going to lose me. Uh, ru- average playtime is 79.5 hours. Oh yeah. I'm out. <laughs> that's yep. why I haven't, that's why it didn't grab me. Cause I would, I had maybe experienced like, like less than 10% of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next game on their list, unsighted. It's a, uh, it was listed as one of Kotaku's best games of the year for 2021. Mm-hmm. It's Metroidvania, as easy to grasp as it is gratifying. Uh, late dungeon boss fights play out as miniature moments of bullet hell he- heaven, crafting and platforming fill in the blanks. The whole game is driven by a ruthless doomsday clock, um, which can result in a very essential NPC getting wiped off the map. Oh, man. Average runtime, 11.5 hours. This sounds, this sounds pretty cool, Dude, that too. sounds awesome. Yeah, I love a lot of those things. I love whenever games like turn into like a, a bullet hell type of a situation. Uh, next on their list, Dead Cells. You played Dead Cells, right? Yep, played Dead Cells. I made it to the final boss. Did not beat the final boss. Mm. Dead Cells is uh, roguelike, and um, after every run, which folds out folds out as a high velocity side scrolling jaunt through multiple monster infested biomes. You'll unlock new weapons and abilities. Then those then cycle into the random drops you'll receive at the start and in shops, making no two runs alike. The only constant in Dead Cells is progress. Yeah, that's uh, the thing. The, the thing that I uh, I didn't like about it was that there wasn't enough progress per run. Mm, whereas like Hades had a lot of progress per run, where Dead Cells just felt like it was just unlocking random chances at new weapons. So I don't know. That's it was interesting. It was uh, it was it was the aesthetic and the vibe and the feel is very much my jam, but the roguelike stuff was not quite enough to keep me going. Yeah. Average runtime, 27.5 hours. The next game they have on here is Deep Rock Galactic. We've talked about that here on the podcast before. Woohoo! It's a blast, Chris. It's a you know, multiplayer uh, game. I've only played it as a multiplayer game. I, you probably could play it single player, but I don't know. It's, it probably wouldn't be as fun. Yeah, I was playing it single player, and it was not as fun. Like yeah. I, was, I, got, I got pretty bored of it pretty quick. Um, but it, uh, it's a cooperative PvE shooter. Where you and up to three other friends um, shoot waves upon waves of space bugs. Um, yeah, it's it's a kind of got a cool like art style to it. You can grind a lot, like as you're like drilling and getting this stuff. You can grind along a bunch of rails, which is very cool. So you end up like, oh, let me str- strategically place my um, hoses so that I can grind back to the ship really quick, and then you know basically get everywhere that you need to go to take out the hordes of uh, of of aliens and uh yeah it's it's real fun man rock and stone uh the playtime is 103 hours <laughs> that's pretty insane i mean like as 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 maybe to get to like do all of the levels yeah i don't know that's that's that feels like a destiny and that's what honestly what it felt like to me whenever i was playing it was like this is like uh you know they're games of service type of uh like let me you know get in and experience like these different levels and, and go in, you know, multiplayer wise, but I don't know. Yeah. I, it, it's a fun one to pick up and, and, and play, but uh, I don't think I would finish a hundred and some odd hours of it. Slay the Spire is next. Um, it's a deck building roguelike that inspired a thousand deck building roguelikes. Um, 
I don't know what that means necessarily. With every successful victory, you navigate branching paths to the top of a spire where you face off against a boss. Each run adds more potential cards to the rotation, allowing you to shake up your strategies over time. You can also work toward unlocking different player characters, each of which has different perks. That sounds kind of cool. It's really good. I think it would be it would be it would be your jam, Chris. I I believe um, it's like basically Hearthstone, but. Nice where you're like working your way through a like climbing the spire and then whenever you lose you go back to the beginning but you unlock like more cards like you have each run you get access to the random chance at like a few more deck building cards so and so you just kind of like build your deck as you go and and uh and make progress and see how high you can climb the spire until you get to the top i haven't actually beaten it but uh but i've played it played a, a decent chunk of it so that's awesome average run time uh 44.5 hours, which for a deck building game, that sounds uh, really good. Yeah. I mean, and, and the, I, it, it can get its hooks into you. Like where you're like, you're, you're constantly kind of like, once you get your build going, uh, where like I had to basically get over the hump of like, Oh, I don't like any of my cards, you know? And then you basically start honing down, you choose which cards you take with you and stuff like that. So once you get to that point, it, uh, it gets, it's, you know, gets really nice. gets a really good gameplay vibe going. The next game is A Plague Tale Innocence. Um, I don't I don't remember if this is a uh, third-person game, um, but you... Uh, uh, Plague Tale Innocence is not for the faint of heart. Rats, death, war, famine, dead dogs, young children, and a ceaseless life and just struggle. Um, but if you can stomach it, A Plague Tale's got all the good stuff. You place two young children from a royal household on the run from French Inquisition soldiers. A uh, relentlessly challenging stealth game, you're pretty much done for if you get discovered. Uh, that's awesome. That sounds amazing. It's only 12.5 hours. I love stealth games, John. Looks third person to me. I never, I didn't realize this was a stealth game. Otherwise, I honestly probably would have played this before now. Well, and then there's there's that uh, the another one that's supposed to be coming out too. Like there's a there's a sequel. A second, a sequel. That they've to announced, this? but the, like, we don't know when it's coming yet. So that sounds great. I'm definitely yeah. gonna check that out. Uh, the next game, Hollow Knight. Have you played Hollow Knight? Yeah, I've beaten Hollow Knight, man. It's real good. Mm. Um, it's uh, Metroidvania, very hard. Uh, it's kind of like, it's like a there's there's this genre where it's like, okay, this is Metroidvania and Souls like mixed together, and it's like, okay, that's what this is, and it's probably the best one of those because the world building is so good. Um, that you kind of infer the story as you go along. So you're a little bug and, uh, and you're supposed to kind of just explore these tunnels to, to fight back the, the darkness that's overtaking these other bugs and causing them to be like zombies and things. And you're supposed to, you know, you're trying to figure out what's going on with, with that and where you came from. Cause you're kind of a, a ghostly type of a character. Every time you die, your body is left uh, where it's at with some of the things that you collected, some of the currency that you collected. And so whenever you go and find your body, you have to fight your body in order to get it back. Um, there are different builds that you can get upgrades that you can make and uh, you make progress that way and save at kind of bonfire esque spots, uh, predefined spots. Um, the world building within it is really cool in that, like from a bug perspective, like you get to one city and it's like, it's called like the raining city. And people talk about like how, Oh yeah, it's always raining here. And then it's just constantly is raining there. And then because you're a bug or whatever, you go up these other tunnels and you realize 
like it doesn't tell you this but like i i realized i zoomed out on the map and i was like it's raining in that city because it is a tunnel under a lake mm. and so you cross this massive lake uh, uh up above it and like that's why it's constantly raining there so it's the whole world is just built together in this like really unique and uh puzzle like way of like everything fits together everything has a reason for where it's at and what it's around the different bosses and mini bosses have reasons and and lore reasons why they're that where they're at as well and you kind of pick all those things up from the various signs that you encounter and like you kind of piece together this story about what happened and why you exist and what the final boss means. And then you kind of confirm that story as dialogue from various bosses uh, and talk to you and, and, and refer to you. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's really good. It's very hard. <laughs> I bet. It's, it sounds like it. Um... 2D Metrovania like kind of style game. Yeah. And initially, like until you power yourself up, it's it's like two hits and you're gone, you know? Yeah. Um and so like that's kind of the difficulty. But then as as you power up those those early stages, those early rooms that you were in, super easy after the fact. So you kind of like power up and come back and you're just wiping the floor with the enemies that, you know, two shotted you before. So Narita Boy is the next one. Uh, have you played that? I haven't played no. it. It's a uh, love it. letter to the 1980s, the neon, the synth pop, the references to arcade games, even the bad hairdos. By and large, it's a slick, if mechanically uninspired, action platformer. Dodge, jump, swing, sword, shoot gun. But I like it. Uh, I like I like kind of like simple stuff like that. But you'd be hard-pressed to find one with more visual flair. The screen flickers like an old CRT, pixelated environments, pulse with vivid lights. It's all wrapped in a fascinating mythos. Dude, that sounds awesome. 8.5 hours. Yeah, so not that not that long. It sounds kind of like uh uh what was the game we uh that that we played through? Um, oh man. Uh the one the um, the ninja one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, what was it called? From Devolver Digital. Yeah, I don't remember. Um something uh, zero. Yeah, 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 Katana Zero. Katana Zero, yes. Uh the next game Hellblade Sinua's Sacrifice. Um, eight hours. It's a solid third-person action game, um, and uh, the story is uh, is great. She, the uh, the character that you play, suffers from psychosis. Um, developer Ninja Theory tapped a cadre of mental health experts to properly portray the realities of the condition. Um, you'll definitely want to play this one with headphones, as Sanua experiences auditory hallucinations. The sound design there is unrivaled. That alone is giving this one a spin. Sounds super cool. Cool. I love it. I, I've heard There's I've a sequel coming for this too. It. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And that sequel, like the uh, the trailer that I saw for it, it looks so realistic, like so real, and it's pretty horrifying. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. It looks really great. The next one, Spirit Fair. Uh, it's a. Um, Looks like it's another roguelike, but nothing describes Spirit Fair as succinctly as a, as its tagline does. A cozy management game about dying. Yeah, it's not a roguelike. Um, okay. In the traditional sense, so like it doesn't you don't start over at the, at the end every time. But uh, ah. it's it's good. I I have played a decent chunk of it, um, and I kind of I don't know why I stopped playing it. Um, 
it just kind of like uh, it, it's you meet these really uh, cool animals uh, and you are like in the afterlife and you ferry a boat around and wherever you meet them they have uh, different abilities like they'll unlock different things that you can do like oh here I can woodwork now and you can woodwork and collect materials from various islands and things and, and uh, build your your ship like your boat uh, bigger and uh, unlock uh, various other capabilities and, and then at some point you essentially help those spirits that have joined you along the journey. Um, you've helped them kind of gotten them to where they pass on, like they move on to the, the next stage of the afterlife. So yeah, it's kind of right, like one last... of those sad, charming games. That may have been the last one. Uh, that's a uh, 30.5 hours, but yeah, that's, that's the last, uh, that's the last game on their, their list. It looks like cool. Cool. I mean, they hit, they hit a lot of really good games, dude. Um, the only ones that I will like shout out otherwise, um, donut County. It's a really cool game. Uh, everyone should play. It's, it's short. Um, and it's very fun as you move a hole around on the ground and you pick up things and the hole gets bigger and bigger, the more things that you pick up. And so like in order to pick up a car, you have to pick up 14 different, uh, little rocks and trash cans and things, and then you can pick up everything. And so the goal is to pick to, to drop everything into the, the hole uh, at, at each stage. And it has a really cool story that goes along with it. Um, the other one was Moonglow Bay. It's a fishing sim uh, RPG and uh, has some really chill music and a, a, a unique story and it's voxel graphics. And you pilot your boat around and uh, solve different mysteries in the Moonglow Bay. There's a monster in Moonglow Bay and you're trying to figure out what the mystery of this monster in the Moonglow Bay is. And uh, it's a really chill time. Yeah, and I'll also throw out there, you know, we talked about the gunk recently, and we talked about Katana Zero, Dude, and so uh, both those are great as well. Is Katana Zero still on there? I feel like that one might have, oh, have cycled off. It might have. I'm not sure. Let me look. Even so, it's it's worth a it's worth a buy, even if uh, it's it's not on Game Pass anymore. Yeah, that's the thing. Like a lot of these are worth a buy, um, but if you have Game Pass, you already have the access to them. So, like, go ahead and play. You know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, that's it for this week. Um, we'll, uh, we'll be back next week. We'll see if there's some news between now and then. And uh, if there is, we'll talk about it. If not, we'll do something like this again. You can find us online at stayintargetpodcast.com, on social at chrisright250. And johnwright777. And at stayintargetpod. Please go to your podcast service of choice, review us, tell your friends about us. We really appreciate it. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Stay, Stay on Target. Target.